Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Why are you doing this? Hurting yourself is not the solution. Well, that was my first reaction when I was a young teacher teaching high school, and I found blade marks on the legs of one of my students when their shorts rode up a little too high on that unusually hot day. Now, my student was quick to pull their shorts down and cover the marks that I had seen, and her face turned red with embarrassment. And then she angrily spoke back, it's not your business. And then she stood up and walked out of my classroom. I'll admit I didn't handle that well. I was inexperienced, And I reacted to what I saw instead of taking the time to think about how to best approach and help my student. I've learned a lot since then. That was many, many, many years ago. And I've also seen undeniable patterns of self-harm over the years. First, self-harm habits are increasing in our young people. Definitely a pattern. And second, I don't know why. But teenagers have the most difficult months of stress, anxiety, and despair in the months of October and April. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent. And every week I give you a new parenting video that can help you in your parenting journey. If you have a particular topic or parenting question about your school-age child that you would like me to address, please submit it to theimpactfulparent at gmail.com or by messaging me on social media, and all submissions are kept anonymous. Now today I'm gonna talk to you about self-harm and cutting. Why do kids do it? What to look for in your child? How parents can help their children? And stick around to the end because I'm also gonna be giving you the warning signs that the situation is getting worse. And we got a lot to cover, so let's get started. Self-harm is when a person hurts themselves to deal with difficult feelings, maybe a painful memory, overwhelm, and or trauma. The most common forms of self-harm are cutting, burning, carving words or even symbols into the skin, self-hitting, self-punching, headbanging, scratching, piercing the skin with the sharp objects, headbanging, and in certain, uh, inserting objects under the skin. All of those are very popular. Now, the most popular form of self-harm for girls is cutting. This might look like a child taking a razor blade or other sharp object and passing the blade across the skin, hard enough to penetrate a cut and creating lines. Now, for boys, the most popular form of self-harm is punching or hitting themselves. In fact, the average age of a child's first incident of self-harm is around 13 years old. Now, I want parents to know that self-harm can also start earlier than that. That age 13 is only an average. This isn't just a problem for teenagers. Parents need to be aware of their child's body without being too invasive on the child. Because most self-harm, it will leave a mark. And most marks are left on the arms and on the legs and on the front of the torso. So 
If you find your child wearing long sleeves on a particularly warm day or long pants at the beach or a sudden refusal to go to the pool, aka trying to get out of a swimsuit, then pause, parents. Pause and notice that behavior because those behaviors are warning signs of self-harm. Parents want to look for fresh cuts and scratches and bruises and bite marks, uh, picking at the skin, even rug burns, because that comes from excessive rubbing of an area to create a burn. And even watch out for your child reporting that injury way too often, perhaps even claiming that they're just clumsy, but it's happening more often than it should. Now, I'd like to debunk a few common misconceptions about self-harm that many parents don't understand. Myth number one, if the child is self-harming, then they want to kill themselves. Okay, that's a myth. Self-harm does not have to be an attempt to kill oneself. In fact, most of the time, it's not. Self-harm is a coping mechanism. It's a way to deal with these big emotions. Most suicide attempts are well thought out and they're planned. However, most self-harm is impulsive. So what does that mean for parents? Well, your child is suffering emotionally. They are not in a good place, not in a good place mentally at all, and they need your help. Whatever they're dealing with, it has them hurting so badly that they look to hurting themselves externally to feel better internally. Now let's get to myth number two. Myth number two is the child is self-harming to seek attention. Again, no. Your child might be giving a cry for help when they show their wounds to someone, but most self-harm is actually hidden. Children hide the evidence of harming themselves because they feel embarrassed and they're scared to get in trouble. So a lot of kids are ashamed of the marks that are left behind with the self-harm. And again, what does that mean for parents? Well, your child needs help learning coping skills, not a lecture about how awful it is that they're hurting themselves. They already know it's bad. Your child doesn't have good coping tools to help their psychological pain. They can't manage their emotions productively. And your child is having trouble regulating, expressing, and understanding all of those really big feelings. They likely feel worthless, lonely, mad, rejected, and even guilty. They need your help. Taking them to a therapist is important. They need to feel comfortable with that person that they're trying to talk to, and that will be a very important step. The therapist might ask for a psychiatrist to prescribe antidepressant medication also, and that's just dependent upon the situation. Now let's get to myth number three. Myth number three about self-harm is that this is a phase. And I'm going to say, no, it's not a phase. Self-harm needs to be taken seriously so it doesn't spiral into a bigger problem. A phase implies that kids just go through it in development and it seems normal. 
And I'm telling you, self-harm is not normal. Kids with an increased risk of self-harm now might have friends that are doing it too. And maybe they might be using drugs or alcohol or have gone through some really big mental trauma or some other underlying mental health issues might be happening. Those make your child more likely to self-harm, but none of it is a phase. So what does this mean for parents? It means parents keep vigilant and look out for self-harm. Why people self-harm is unique to every single person. It's literally different for everyone. The child is often trying to punish themselves or turn emotional pain into physical pain. Or, and it could be that they're trying to stop feeling numb. These children need your help. So watch your child closely. Don't judge them for their actions, but instead show your child your concern and your love. Get your child to a therapist as soon as possible to start learning more productive coping strategies. And lastly, there are support groups out there for both parents and children. Finding a safe space to vent around other people who understand what you're going through can be one of the most powerful tools for overcoming this or any difficult time. So please, parents, look for that support or look for that support for your child too. Now, lastly, what are the warning signs of this situation getting worse? Hmm. Okay, let's just say it. How do I know the difference between my child self-harming to cope or self-harming to commit suicide? Okay, I know you're scared. Be mindful of your child's space and privacy, but watch them closely. Here are some things that you want to look out for, and they're warning signs that things might be getting worse. Neglecting their parents, giving away items, extreme mood swings, talking about wanting to die or killing themselves, writing about death withdrawal from everyone and isolating themselves, talking about feeling trapped. Maybe they're behaving recklessly, showing extreme anger and talking about seeking revenge. Um, Your child could be sleeping too little or even sleeping too much. There could be an increased use of alcohol and drugs they could be taking, uh, talking about burdening others and not feeling like their life has value, um, that it, everybody else would be better off if they were gone. Check their search engine history because looking online for ways to die or sudden calmness and making preparations. All of these are big warning signs that things are getting worse. So if these warning signs are resonating with your family, please take your child to the local hospital emergency room for evaluation and start the process of seeking help. I know that this topic is not something that many parents want to address, but if you know what you're looking for, if you can see some of these warning signs in your child, then you can help them before things can get worse. And again, this particular time of year, April, and again in October, tend to be the most difficult for children. So keep an eye out, parents. 
If you have a topic or a parenting question about your school-age child, please ask me. Submit your questions by social media DM or by emailing me at theimpactfulparent at gmail.com. Plus, if you want to become a more impactful parent, check out all that my website has to offer. I have parenting courses, family coaching, this awesome free downloadable app, and tons of resources for you. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.